So yes, as I said, our Bible reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. G'day everyone, good morning. My name is Scott. Uh, I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Barakka. Really great to be with you this morning. Uh, I have a daughter, she's four years old. She's about the same height as the mini ninja there, if uh, that helps. Uh, But she loves princesses, especially princesses of the Disney variety. So recently in life I've been subjected to a lot of Disney movies, Tangled, Frozen, The Little Mermaid, The Beauty and the Beast... Yeah, the ones, the classics, the new ones, doesn't matter, she loves them all. And uh, you may not have guessed this, but they're not my type of movie, generally speaking. I, I don't go out of my way to pursue watching them. Uh, but occasionally, there are parts of these movies that, I'll admit it, I kind of enjoy them. And so I wanted to show you one now. This is going to be from a movie called Moana. Uh, Moana is the daughter of uh, the, the chief of a Polynesian island. And she goes on a quest to save her people. Uh, and on her way, she meets a guy called Maui. He's a demigod. Um, and he's supposed to have a special place for Moana's people. But he's stuck on an island. He's been there. I don't know. Something happened and he can't get off the island and because he can't swim or something like that. Uh, but anyway, as we're introduced to Maui, he sings a song. And uh, this is kind of how it goes. And I love it. Isn't it a catchy tune? I found myself walking around the house. And <laughs> um, some of those words, though, like, who has two thumbs and pulled up the sky when you're waddling yay high? This guy. <laughs> what can I say except you're welcome from the islands that I pulled from the sea? There's no need to pray. It's okay. You're welcome. Ah, it's just one way of being me. It's kind of funny, right? It's, like, imagine meeting someone who thought this much of themselves. And, and, and I love at the end of it, like, he's, he's basically spent the whole song talking himself up, but then he can't even swim, he can't even float, and so he needs to steal this little girl's boat. Uh, it's funny. I, I, I like this song. But I kind of wonder, is this what we um, kind of expect God to be like? You know, he's, like, really powerful, and he's done lots of stuff for us, but that's kind of his job because he's God. Um, but he's also a little bit vain, um, kind of like full of himself, like he, he wants praise all the time, he's, he's done a lot of this stuff. He... And at the end of the day, though, this kind of God, the Maui kind of God, he's the kind of God where you can take him or leave him. You know what he said? He, it's okay if you pray, you can pray if you want, but there's no need to do it. Because um, he's just doing the kind of things that a, a God should do, right? The nice thing about this kind of God is that he, he's, he, he's a good God. He's not, not capricious. Um, although he does steal your boats every now and again. Uh, but he's, he's not very demanding of your life. He doesn't need that much from you. The God we meet in the Bible, however, is very different. He's very different from Maui. 
We just read, Ada just read for us a part of the Bible called Colossians. Uh, it's a letter written by a guy named Paul. He wrote it to uh, the Christians living in an ancient city called Colossae. There it is. Um, it's in modern day Turkey. But uh, the part of the Bible that we just read, uh, it kind of begs the question why make so much of God? Or really, why make so much of Jesus? That's the question that we're going to dig into today. Why make so much of Jesus? And basically, I've got, I've got two things I want to say today. Uh, and here's the first thing. Jesus is supreme in this life. Uh, when we were going through that part of the Bible that we just read before, you, you saw it in some of the words that were said about him. It's the picture that you got. Let's just take a quick sneak peek again. Um, it's talking about Jesus, God's son, and it says of him, the son is the image of the invisible God. Uh, have you ever wanted to see God? Too bad, you can't, he's invisible. Sorry. Um, but this passage tells us you can actually see God. You can see God when you look at Jesus. You could, you could spend your life kind of going around all these different places trying to find out what God is like, but the only place to know God is Jesus, the image of the invisible God, which makes Jesus very impressive indeed. But he's also the firstborn over all creation. Uh, this doesn't mean that he is the first thing that God made, because in the very next verse we see that uh, Jesus is involved in making everything. But it is saying that Jesus has the status of being a firstborn son. Is anyone here the, the, the firstborn in their family? A few of them? Uh, you, you guys will love this. Because back in the day when this, this letter was written, um, being the firstborn was very special. It was a big deal. It meant that you got the main share of the inheritance and any brothers or sisters that you had, sorry, not so much for them. Some of you might wish that was still the case today, right? Uh, not Ada or Luke, who, uh, not Ada or Jacob, who are middle children, but that's what that's what the the, the, the Bible is saying about Jesus. He's he's got the status of being the firstborn. He he's the inheritor. And, and what is it that he inherits? It's everything. He is the firstborn over all creation. Everything belongs to him. And the very next verse, you see why that's the case. It says, For in him that is in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. Jesus was involved in creation. There with God the Father and God the Spirit. He makes all things. And it does mean all things, doesn't it? Like, like look, look at the, what it says there. It's, it's the visible things, the things we can see, the things on earth that we can touch, and, and, and but also the invisible things, the, the heavenly things, the spiritual, the unseen side of creation. It goes on. There's also thrones, rulers, powers and authorities. Any, any, any powerful thing, any person in a position of power, like the ones we can see, like uh, ScoMo, and the ones we can't see, like angels and demons... All of them, all of them owe their existence to Jesus. So it's right that it all belongs to Jesus. It's right that he's the inheritor because he was part of making it all in the first place. See, everything owes its existence to Jesus. But there's even more to Jesus. Yeah, look, look at the next little bit. Uh, it says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. together. 
let me ask you a question. Uh, what would happen if at work you're at work and you kind of fell asleep on the job? What would happen? It's, it's somebody, tell me, what, what, what is somebody do? Somebody stick your hand up. What, what do you do for, for work? No one works anywhere. <laughs> oh, right. Excellent. Who, who, who's got a job? What do you do for work, Kieran? Uh, I'm uh, training, training to be a psychiatrist. Training to be a psychiatrist. What happens if, if, if Kieran falls asleep at work? What would happen, Kieran? My patients would be very pissed off because I'm supposed to listen to them. <laughs> He'd have very annoyed patients and they wouldn't get the treatment that they are, are need. Anyone else? Who else? What do you do for work, Fiona? Working the Here's the most important person in the room, everybody. Fiona works giving people their pay. Now, what would happen if Fiona didn't fell asleep on the job, didn't do her job? There'd be a lot of grumpy people. Yes. Um, I mean, think about it. What, what kind of things, you know, um, uh, a teacher falls asleep at the job and what happens? Probably wakes up to an empty class, wondering where everyone's gone and worried about knowing what happens when they walk out the room. A garbage man falls asleep on the job and he just ends up with a thousand complaints and has to do double duty tomorrow to catch up. I mean, Homer Simpson, he falls asleep on the job at all times. It doesn't seem to matter very much, does it? Like, there was that one time where he fell asleep on the job and the nuclear power plant he's working goes into a meltdown and uh, at the end of it he just has to press a button and he has to guess the right button to press with like three seconds to go and you just choose the right button and, well, disaster averted. What happens if you fall asleep on the job? For most of us, nothing good is going to happen, right? But if Jesus falls asleep on the job, something much worse happens. Because look at what the passage says again of him. He, he holds everything together. That is, he keeps everything going. If he nodded off, well, the next, next, the next breath I take, the air that I need for the next breath I take, it's not there anymore. The ground beneath my feet starts to crumble away. The sun stops burning. The universe collapses in on itself because nothing can exist without Jesus. That's what the Bible's saying. You're starting to see how, how important Jesus is here. But we skipped over the real high point of these verses. The high point comes at the end of verse 16. Let me go back to it. The end of verse 16, it says... All things have been created through him and for him. All things there, everything, sun, moon and stars, air, water, sky, fish, birds, animals, me and you, made through Jesus, made for Jesus. I'm sure you're starting to see the significance of, it, of this, aren't you? Our lives, um, meaning and purpose in existence, contentment and fulfilment. We can't make sense of any of this rightly apart from Jesus. Jesus is so very important to everything because everything is made for him. That is the point I've just been saying. In this life, Jesus is supreme. And at that point, a lot of us will just kind of stop and we've got a question we need to ask, right? Like, we hear this, we hear Jesus say, you're made for me, and we think to ourselves, look, 
I think I'm doing okay without you, Jesus, actually. I reckon in life most of us are just trying to do the things that make us happy and make those around us happy. And you learn, if being a Jesus person does that for you, go for it, no worries. But if that doesn't work for me, then I'll get there some other way. Jesus is not really that essential part of life. And we hear Jesus say in the Bible that, that we're made for him and without him we'll never truly get life right. And we can just turn off, tune out, because we've decided we don't actually need Jesus. So, um, before you tune out, I want to tell you about an idea I once had. Uh, I was in my uh, late teenage years, and I thought the best thing in the world would be to grow long hair. I can tell by your reaction there that you think that's a pretty good idea too. Um, And why not? Like, all the cool people have long hair, like rock stars and whatnot, so why not me? Anyhow, I moved out of home, and I decided I'm going to grow my hair now. Uh, Would you like to see a photo? (laughs) Some people are saying, no, no, no. (laughs) Now, there's not many photos out there, unfortunately. However, I did have to get my licence renewed at one point, so I have a picture. Now, licence photos at the best of times are pretty average, aren't they? Um, but here I am in all my glorious long hair. Ready? Oh. <laughs> and all the ladies are swooning, aren't they? <laughs> no. um, now, I'm sure you'll agree, looking at that, growing my hair long was not really a good idea after all. Uh, and certainly my wife agrees with me. Uh, I needed to change my mind on this. It was not a good idea. Um, now, this is just a silly example, but uh, I want you to see the point of this. Just because you have a certain idea one day doesn't mean it's necessarily the right idea to have. Uh, a silly, silly example here, but you get the point. Just because you have an idea now doesn't mean it's the right idea always. What if that's true of Jesus too? What if that's true of Jesus too? That, what if you, you've never really thought much of Jesus before? Certainly you wouldn't say you were made for him, but... But what if that's not a good idea to have? What if that's not the right idea to have about Jesus? What if you need to change your mind about him? What if it is worth looking into Jesus a bit more? Well, let me ask another question. For you, what's, what's life really all about? What's life really all about? Because we can try and live for all sorts of things, can't we? Like having a great family life, a successful career. You can spend life trying to collect a lot of different experiences that will uh, give you a whole range of um, ideas about the world. You can live life just for fun and enjoyment. But does that really work? Is life really all about those things? Uh, Many of you will know Jim Carrey, a famous Hollywood actor. In life, he had everything. This guy had a very successful career, top, 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 top of his game. He had a bountiful love life, more money than I suspect most of us can really properly imagine. He's seen the world, he's done lots. But listen to his reflection on it all. This is what he said. So I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. So they can see it's not the answer. 
the Bible presents us with a very unique view of the world. And perhaps it's a bit confronting. It says, you were made not for yourself and your happiness, not for your family, not for your job, but you were made for Jesus, that your life is for him. And so your great purpose in life is to live for Jesus. It's not that those other things like family or a career or experiences are bad things. It's just that they're not enough to build a life on. That's not what they're for. We're expecting too much of them if if we want them to do that. And according to the Bible, that's not what you're for either. You're for Jesus. Those things are good things, but you were never meant to live for them. You were meant to live for Jesus. This may come across as very confronting, but actually I think it's a really freeing thing Um, because it means that your life is not meaningless. It's not God has made you. He he knows you. You're not an an accident of the universe that just so happens to be here today. But you're made for something, to live for Jesus. And it means actually you don't have to figure out your own purpose in life, Um, kind of floundering around until you find the right purpose and meaning that fits for you, chasing things that ultimately don't work over and over again. It means that your life has purpose because it's, the purpose is given to you by your God. Uh, your purpose is to live for Jesus. It's pretty clear what the Bible is saying here, isn't it? It's saying that Jesus is supreme. So, do you need, from where you're at, do you need to have a rethink of Jesus? Uh, are, are you ready to live for Jesus? I said I was going to say two things uh, at the start. Uh, the first one, Jesus is supreme in this life. The second one, Jesus is supreme in the life to come as well. Uh, according to the Bible, there is more than just this life that we're living in now. It's more than just the here and now. According to the Bible, there's another life to come. And it's saying here that Jesus is supreme in that life to come as well. You see it in the same part of the Bible we read before. Um, take it from verse 18. It says, talking about Jesus, it says, And he is the head of the body. The church. Um, Jesus is the head of the church. Do you find that to be an impressive thing? Maybe you do. A lot of people would think, though, that's eh, not that important. After all, I've got nothing to do with the church, so who cares who the head of church is? The reason why this is a very impressive thing in the Bible is because the Bible has a very different picture of church. The Bible views church as God's new humanity. Um, these are the people that will live eternally with Jesus. These are the people that will rule eternally with Jesus in the next life. And, and it's saying here that in the next life there, Jesus is still supreme because he's the head, the top, the, the main guy ruling for eternity into the future. In the next life, Jesus is supreme. And it goes on in verse 18. It says, He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He's the beginning from among the dead. That, that means it's talking about that when Jesus was resurrected. He died and Jesus was resurrected. He's the first to rise from the dead. 
But he's also there, the firstborn from among the dead. Uh, like before, the firstborn thing, it's, it's talking about having a, that special status, being the uh, inheritor. It's those who rise from the dead, in the same way that Jesus did, those who rise from the dead, they belong to Jesus in the next life too. And yet there's still more about him. Verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God's fullness lives in Jesus. It's just what we saw before. You want to know God? You want to know God? Then look at Jesus. That's where God's fullness lives. And so it's through Jesus that God is going to put everything right again. He's going to reconcile all things. See, something's gone wrong. The world is out of step with God. God is not being treated as God. But Jesus is going to change that. He's going to reconcile the world to God. He's going to put things right again and, and put everyone right in their right place with God again. For some that will mean they come willing. It'll be a joyful day. For others, that will be an unwilling time for them. A time of deep sadness. It doesn't matter though, our desire here, what God is saying is Jesus will put us right with God no matter what we think. In the life to come, everything will be put right before God because of Jesus. I'm going to dig a bit deeper into that next week as we look at that idea of reconciliation more then. But you can see the point of the passage, can't you? It's telling us Jesus is absolutely supreme. There is no escaping this. Not in this life, not in the next life. You cannot escape from it. Jesus is supreme. So I wanted to end then just with a few reflections for us. Here they are. Um, Un-Maui. God is is not like Maui from away now. Even more more sharply, Jesus is not like Maui from Moana. Maui was a bit of fun, a bit vain, but that kind of made him enjoyable. Um, but he, he was the Maui's the kind of God that you can take him or leave him, it doesn't really matter, and he doesn't really care in the end anyway. But the Jesus we meet here in the Bible, he's not someone that you can take lightly, can you? You're here because of him. Your future is tied up with him. He's holding together the cosmos right now. In fact, you were made for him. Jesus is so not like Maui. Because he's not the kind of God that you can take lightly. Which leads me to this second reflection then. Uh, unable. Um, if, if the Bible is right about Jesus, then we're unable to walk away thinking, ah, oh, look, Jesus just doesn't matter for me. We can't walk away thinking that. It's impossible to say, I'm happy for you to do what you want, but the whole Jesus thing isn't really for me. It's impossible to say that if the Bible is right about Jesus. It's impossible because Jesus does matter for all of us. It's impossible because Jesus is everyone's thing. Remember, all things made for him, including me and you, in this life and in the next. 
You're unable to say something like, now's just not the right time, you know, I'm too busy, there's too much on, maybe later I'll figure this Jesus thing out. Now is the right time, I think now's the right time, especially if you're busy, because, think about it, if your life is actually about Jesus, trying to do life without him just ends up messy, not right. And it's not that living for him now kind of will solve all your problems and just give you a a, a problem-free life. It it won't. But living for Jesus now will help you sort out priorities and give you clarity on what's essential and what's not essential. Living for Jesus now will give you certainty about the future and where the future's headed so you can make the right steps between now and the next life. We can't hear this and say Jesus doesn't matter. Third thing, unbalanced life. Unbalanced life. Um, I think one of the key things our our, our generation, what we keep looking for today is um, we're looking for balance. We we talk about this in things like work-life balance where we want to have enough time at work so we can get ahead and be really good and kind of be at the top of our game there, but, but not too much time at work. We need to have time for ourselves, time to do our own life and our own things. We're searching for these balanced lives. But Jesus says, actually, I want you to have an unbalanced life. Jesus says, I'm not another thing to fit around your mortgage and your dreams for family and your career goals and your me time. And your... Jesus says, I want you. He says, I want all of you. You're made for me. Have an unbalanced life. He's calling us to, to have our lives so weighted towards him that his goals become the things that we aim for in life too. That his desires become the desires of our hearts. That his ambitions for the world become the ambitions that drive the decisions I make in life. That his thoughts become the way that we think about life and and, and everything. Jesus is calling us to have an unbalanced life. He's saying that what I value is not that everything is the way I'd like it to be. And and, and also, what I value is is not what other people want me to keep doing, like what my spouse wants me to do, or my kids, or my friends, or my parents. Life isn't about what my boss wants me to do. But the thing I value is Jesus, and that my life is lived for him. And so that trickles down into the way we do everything. Where do I spend my time? What do I give my energy to? Where does my love and devotion go? What about my finances? How do I treat other people? How do I make decisions about work and family and buying a home? And What I value in all of this is Jesus and what he wants for me. Which doesn't mean I have to stop and become a monk or a missionary or a pastor as if they are the only people that could live for Jesus. In fact, we're going to see later in this book how this kind of stuff works itself out into everyday, ordinary life. So stay tuned. Keep coming back. We're going to get dig into that. But it does mean that, that in the moments ahead, in the weeks ahead, I'll keep asking a question. And the question I keep asking myself over and over again is, what does Jesus want from me? And wherever I find myself, in whatever situation I'm in, whatever decision I face, I keep asking, not, not what do I want to get out of this, but, but what, is it, what does Jesus want from me here? 
How can I live for Jesus right now? What would what would please what would please Jesus for me to do here? How about you start asking yourself that question this week? Different situations. What does Jesus want from me? How do I please him here? Jesus is supreme in everything. That's the question to keep asking yourself, isn't it? Where I'm at now, what does Jesus want from me here? An unbalanced life. And and finally, just unbalanced church as well. We're a new church here, and I think this passage really helps us understand what's going to drive us forward as a church, what's going to be our our, our thrust. So we're not going to have... We're not going to be a church where we have competing agendas that are at war with one another. And whatever proves to be most popular, well, that's what we'll do. That's, that's not going to be us as a church. We want our church to be totally shaped by Jesus, totally on about what Jesus is on about, which means week by week, here on Sundays, Jesus, we want to make Jesus front and centre all the time. When we think longer-term plans for our church, we want to make sure that his desires are the things that we end up pursuing as a church as well. Because we're convinced Jesus is supreme. Lives work best when they live for Jesus and churches work like they should when churches are for Jesus. So I reckon if you're here today and you're really not sure about all this Jesus stuff, it's great that you're here. I mean, today I've said some pretty big things and maybe you're not sure about all that stuff and I get that. I mean, it's a lot to take on on a Sunday morning after all, isn't it? But but we want to be a church that's totally on about Jesus. Like I said, next week up here we'll be talking about him and the week after that we'll be talking about Jesus and so on and so on. So if you're not really sure about Jesus, this is a place to be. We love having you here. We want you to be here and we want to help you figure out Jesus. We want you to know that you're invited to be here with us. I want you to help. We want to help you figure out Jesus. If if He is what the Bible is saying, there is no more in person. There's no more. There's nothing else that can be more important for you to understand than this person, than Jesus. We'd love to help you do that. Um, I think that's probably about enough for me. I'm going to hand it over to Christine. She's going to come up and pray for us. But the last thing I want you to hear from me is. Jesus is supreme. This week, keep that question going through. What could I be doing now to please Jesus? What does Jesus want from me here? If you're not really sure about him, uh, please come back. You're invited to come back. We'd love you to get to know him more.